Okay, good afternoon. Good afternoon. And um, I'm using the microphone not because I can't make myself heard, but because we're actually recording through that speaker up there. So that's <laughs> perfect. Anyway, thank you for coming along to our uh, uh, church planting uh, courageous mission um, seminar. You uh, heard from Tom Shaw before? Did you? Did, was something here from when Tom Shaw did the first half? Yeah. So uh, he was looking very much at the practicalities of uh, pioneering. And what we want to cover with you today really is is the vision, you know, the beating heart, what really sort of motivates and inspires us for uh, church planting and pioneering. And uh, I'm going to be sharing a few things about that for myself. Then I'm going to hand over to Steph, who's here with us as well. And then we're going to both give some examples of how you might be able to be involved uh, in the UK and particularly on the mainland of Europe, which is a big uh, open door of opportunity for us at the moment. And then uh, Hugh's going to share some of his own experience of the realities of putting a vision into practice in, uh, in Colchester. And then uh, and Mark's going to give you some very, very simple practical pointers as to how you can get involved or develop your own sense of call, if that is what uh, uh, God is doing in your life at this time. So, who is actually involved, actually actively going just gone uh, with a live pioneering church plant, gospel plant, whatever name we call it, situation. Who's actually, uh, who's going gone? Ah, fresh recruits. <laughs> Wonderful. And so I'm, I'm praying that you're here because actually this is something that your heart is open to considering what God might be doing with you. Now, um, <clears throat> you know, you have either been born into or discipled into uh, the family of, of New Frontiers churches that we represent, you know, or you've sort of come into that and seen the values and the culture of the sort of church that you've become a member of and think, oh, I feel very comfortable with this. And something that's very, very dear to our hearts is that, uh, you know, any healthy plant will be fruitful and will multiply. And that is, uh, you know, an order one uh, expectation uh, for creation. It's an order one expectation higher for us <laughs> spiritually as well. And so we are, you know, not content simply to build what we have or protect what we have, but we're looking to multiply what we have and to see it uh, fill the earth as the, uh, you know, the, the glory of the earth fill. You know, of the Lord fill the earth as the waters come to the sea. This is uh, a promise to us. So, uh, any family has its own DNA. The Bible talks about things reproducing after. Hello, <laughs> it's the Glover clan. Sorry. One at a time. Yeah. Are they all in the queue outside? They're going to come. <laughs> They're all going to come in one at a time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you all want your own special welcome. Welcome. Yeah. So, any. Family that would reproduce reproduces after its own kind, and uh, you start to see, uh, you know, the sense of replicating what is already present in other contexts, in other towns, in other cities, in other nations, and other cultures. And this is very, very uh, important principle spiritually, and something that we're very, very committed to. I've done some studies on how church movements, or any movements really, but church movements particularly, how they grow and multiply. And uh, the two things that uh, come to the surface every time when I speak to senior 
uh, movement leaders and uh, you know, other people that have, have reflected on this stuff is that we should be very, very attentive to our values and our DNA because that's what you're replicating, you know? And you should be very attentive to your relationships because that's the context and the vehicle in which these things get replicated. So I, I want to encourage you to be very attentive to what would we consider to be the most essential characteristics or values of us as a family of churches. It's important to reflect on these things. So I'm going to give you a whistle-stop tour, okay? You know, and hopefully none of this is going to cause you to fall off your chairs. Okay? <laughs> All right? The Word of God is very important to us. The Word of God is the final authority in matters of faith for us. And being equipped and able to handle the Word of God and to preach the Word of God fearlessly and courageously and to shape our whole communities, to shape the culture of our lives and our families around the truth of God is absolutely paramount for us. And you know, culturally it's becoming more and more of a pressure for us to maintain that line. The temptation to soften the line a little bit, be a little bit more culturally acceptable, you know. Um, Jesus has his own culture. He's neither in nor out. That's what I love about Jesus. You know, sometimes he's really in and sometimes he's really out because he's just got his own culture and we want to create the culture of Jesus and that comes from the revelation of the word of God and sometimes we're going to be in and sometimes we're going to be well out and uh, at the moment we're well out <laughs> as far as our culture is concerned but we want to be encouraging one another to boldly and fearlessly preach the word of God don't flinch, don't hold back we're going to get in trouble some of us are going to go to prison all right Probably your generation. I think I'm just about escaped. Right? I think I'm just about out. You know, that's it. I think, you know, we... Anyway. Grace-filled. In terms of our values. The Word of God. Grace-filled. You know, we, we, we are so thrilled with the, the gospel of grace that has come to us. Yeah. That, you know, that is... Because of the finished work, because of his complete finished obedience, uh, we know that we are reconciled to God through our trust and faith and and, and, uh, in Jesus Christ. It's because of the obedience of Christ that we know that we are acceptable to God. So we minister out, out of knowing that we are uh, the beloved of God. God loves us. We minister out of, of knowing that we have the pleasure of God. Yes. We don't minister out of thinking we've got to earn and somehow gain and strive for the pleasure of God. And the whole culture of grace flavors our families, it flavors our relationships, it flavors the way we lead, it flavors the, the atmosphere in our churches, it flavors the way we serve our communities, it flavors the way that we respond to criticism, it flavors the way we handle authority, it flavors the way we present ourselves in our workplaces. It is such a, uh, you know, it's like the base note uh, for our uh, communities. And so we're looking for churches that are word-based, grace-filled, Spirit-empowered, you know, wonderful, isn't it, to, in some of these gatherings, these worship times we've had, just being under the fountain of, you know, the, the, the avalanche of uh, the sense of the glory of God among us. Now, you know, that's obviously going to be particularly intense in a, in a conference context, but I don't want it to just be a conference experience. I want that to be our regular experience of encounter, you know, just a sense of the, 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 the weight of the glory of God when we gather, that people learn how to engage the presence of God, how to learn to hear the voice of God 
for themselves, that God said, I will be with you, you know, I will never leave you, that the disciples were not disappointed when Jesus said, I'm going, but I'm sending another. Uh, in fact, for them, it was just as good as Jesus being with them in their mindset, you know. So we need to acqu- be very acquainted with the presence of God by His Spirit. And this is uh, uh, what we're looking... This is part of your DNA, okay? And, uh, you know, creating servant-hearted uh, disciples. Beautiful sermon I heard from C.J. Mahaney once when he was talking about what are the marks of the success what are the marks of a successful church? And he was talking about, you know, is it a good Sunday morning meeting? Is it the number of people who get on an Alpha course? And he said, actually, he said in his evaluation, and I love this, he said, the mark of a successful church is a servant heart. He said, because Jesus came uh, not to be served, but to serve. And if we're really here with the heart of Jesus, we're here to serve. So creating that heart among us in our marriages, in our families, in our workplaces again, in in the, you know, the atmosphere in our churches that we're here to serve. You know, I'm not a consumer Christian. Come here, you know, feed me, feed me, demand, need, 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 <laughs> give, give, give. You know, I'm here. No, I'm here. What can I do? How can I serve here? Creating, you know, I'm not thinking, oh, you know, I'm ambitious for success, you know. No, I'm ambitious to serve. And, and how can I? And so these are the sort of characteristics. This is part of our DNA, you know, the, the beautiful teams of ministry, not just sort of uh, looking for... Uh, you know, the one superstar celebrity. But uh, say so no, you know, these gifts are distributed among the church. And, um, you know, loving and uh, embracing uh, the ministries that God gives in Ephesians 4 that is there to help the church be mature. If you want a mature church, you need all the ingredients for the cake, you know. So these things, the reason I remind you of these things, and there's more things I could refer to this, is that this is our DNA. This is our family. So we want to honour and be thrilled with everything that is happening in every expression of God's church around the world that preaches Christ, you know, whatever motive, Paul says, I don't care, as long as Jesus is, 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 is uh, Christ is preached, you know, I, uh, that's, so we're, we're thrilled with everything that God is doing, but we have got our part to play in this, and, uh, and we want to multiply and reproduce and replicate after our own kind. So you are stewards of a very precious legacy, you're, and, and it's important for you to understand what that is. And, and I'm just trying to help summarize that in terms of our DNA and our core values. And in the context of uh, a beautiful culture of heartfelt relationship, not out of business, not out of sort of a, a strategy, but out of our, our heart for one another, our relationships with one another, we release each other into uh, this multiplying call that God has given us. I was speaking with uh, people, um, uh, Terry Virgo, Dave Devlin, said, what would you want us to carry forward to the next generation? And they said, every time the answer is values and relationship. <laughs> carry the values forward and carry them forward in the context of, of relationship. And so we want to take this and multiply it across this nation. We want to take this and multiply it across the nations. We want to take this and push back the frontiers of darkness in many, many nations where these values are absent. You know, you'll see many, many churches. It's astonishing, it's astonishing talking to um, someone like Tom Shaw, who's in America, which is one of the most evangelized nations in the world, saying we really need churches with these values there. Because, you know, not to criticize, but, you know, that there is something of a revelation about the, the wholeness of... Uh, in a healthy New Testament church life that God's given to us. And, 
we need to humbly take that and export it and multiply it across the world. You know, Islam, man, you know, I want to get home, uh, but uh, we, we've got to push back Islam. <laughs> push it back. Steph, do you want to come and uh, say a little bit about uh, what is in your heart for this? Yeah. Absolutely. Hey, guys, good to be with you. Um, I want to just give you a couple of minutes also to, to maybe just reflect together on why you came to this seminar. What, what, what brought you into this room this afternoon rather than one of the other seminars or, or the CAF? So um, have a, chat to someone you didn't come in with and just have a, have a minute each. This is why I'm here. This is why I chose this one. Go for it. That might mean turning around, radical things like that. Um, go for it, guys. You can do it. Okay. We gather, we gather back together. You may have noticed that I'm now sitting down. <laughs> I'm, in, I'm, in, I'm in conference nosedive mode. And um, where well, my spirit is getting more and more excited as the days go on. And my body is getting more and more exhausted as the days go on. So I'm gonna, is that, can you all see me all right? It's okay. Brilliant. Then we'll do that. So we're living with a scripture in Isaiah. You're probably familiar with it. If you've been around church a while, you've probably heard it. Where um, Isaiah 54 says, Enlarge the place of your tent. And let the curtains of your habitation be stretched out. Don't hold back. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes, for you will spread abroad to the right and to the left, and your offspring will possess the nations and will people the desolate cities. So what is there? It's a prophetic promise about the future. This is what you will do. You will possess the desolate cities. You will spread abroad to the right and to the left. It's this future tense. But there's a, there's a present command that comes with it. Because this is your destiny, enlarge the place of your tent now. Don't hold back now. Lengthen and strengthen. And we're living with this scripture. It was, uh, it's obviously in the Bible, but it was also given to us prophetically a couple of years ago at the leadership conference. And we want to put that into you. We want to we do what we can to pass on that adventurous spirit and say, guys, we, we, what we don't want to do is become those people who, I don't know, when you get into your 30s or your 40s or whatever, you're essentially a bored Christian. It happens. Uh, and, 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 then, and then the responsibilities of life tends to grow and multiply. And then what happens is you just start attending church. And then at some point, the songs don't seem to be as meaningful as they used to be. And then you start thinking, oh, I could do that on a Sunday, or I could do that then. And what happens is it's just this sort of drift sets in, because you're no longer living in that place of adventure with God. And we want to keep you from that. We want to help to rescue any of you from that being your destiny. It happens to people. Okay? And it happens perhaps more commonly than we'd like to, than we'd like to admit. We want to, we, want to, we want to do our best to help produce a rank after rank of adventurers, people that carry, you know, to be honest, You'll, you'll carry some scars as a result. <laughs> you'll, you know, you'll, you'll have some sad stories as well as some happy ones, but you'll have some stories. You won't always be other people's stories. You'll have some stories of your own. And um, you, would have, you would have dug deep in God because you were living out in that place of trusting Him and believing Him. That's what it's about, isn't it? God is way more adventurous than we are. We're, we're pretty stuck in the mud compared to him. Um, he's always one step ahead. And so we really want to encourage you to have that mindset. The reality is as well, is what you probably don't realize when you're at the younger age group, that now's the time. You, 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 there's, a, there's a malleability in that sort of 20s sort of age group that is precious. You're not stuck in your ways. 
there's a flexibility. You probably haven't got loads of responsibilities that you're currently carrying. This is like, you don't, you don't often realise it until you look back and you go, wow, that was an amazing season. We want you to be in that place now. Here's another one I've realised as well. Age-wise, there's no sweet spot. You're too young and then suddenly you're too old. You know what happened? <laughs> you know, you're sort of living with those verses of don't let anyone look down you because you're young, you know, and then suddenly you're like, actually, I can't really quote that anymore. I'm not young. <laughs> I'm actually like, well, where, where was that 20 year sweet spot where I was just the right age? It's make believe. Um, and so we just want to, we want to, we want to be, uh, do our best to be fire starters today and just say, guys, believe, why not? Why, let's believe God together. Um, what's, what's he looking for, childlike faith? What's so he looking for? You've got to be, it's like this is acronym that we sometimes use in church and stuff. FAT, you've got to be fat, you've got to be faithful, available, teachable. It's not rocket science, you've got to be faithful. Where you are now, are you being faithful with what you've got, whether that's study, work, church life? Are you, be, are you turning up when you said you would? Are you, are you someone that people can rely on? Are you, are you faithful? Is your yes, yes, and your no, no? You say, that doesn't sound very. Very supersonic, tell you what, means the world when you're part in a church. Yeah. Faithful, available. Are you available or is your life so stuffed with things that you're not actually available? You've got no time for the Lord and his purposes. You're busy. And, and you know, the, the, make no mistake, there's always going to be more distractions for you, always more things that will be vying for your attention. Are you available? That means, are, essentially, are you willing to be a one-thing person? Where you say, I'm going to go first, his kingdom, his righteousness... And everything else has to fit around that. That's availability. Um, and are you teachable? Are you willing for someone to lovingly help you? <laughs> you know, not not tell you off and, and be harsh, but lovingly come alongside you and say, look, if you want to, if you want to grow even more, have you thought about this? Are you willing to sort of do that? You know, if that is you, God can God could do extraordinary things with you. God doesn't need impressive people. Okay. It's nice, isn't it? <laughs> I, love, I even love saying it because it's like it just brings fresh liberty to me every time I say it. God doesn't need impressive people. It's these people that are up for it, essentially. So we're just trying to stir you and encourage you with that um, today. Um, what more shall I say? Is it time for you to be considering an adventure? Is it time for you to be seeking God as a result of these days, saying, Lord, I'm part, maybe you're part of a church that's planting a church. Should I be part of that? Is that? And sometimes, you know, I'll be a bit provocative. I think sometimes you can have a bit of an attitude of, well, he's given me the Great Commission. I'll, I'll, I'll get involved. I think when you're leading a church plant, you probably need more of a sense of call. But I think to be involved in one, say, look, I'd like to get involved in that. Can you stop me if it's wrong? You hear? Just get moving, and Lord, if it's wrong, you know, my heart is, you'll be able to show me. Paul, that's something that's happened with Paul. He, he said, well, we went there, but the Spirit of Jesus didn't, didn't let us get involved. And then we went there, and the Spirit of God resisted us. And then, well, then we got a dream. And this, uh, this man from Macedonia was saying, come and help us. So we concluded, that's where God was taking us. It wasn't a complicated, anxiety-filled, oh, Lord, what is your next step for me? We just get on with it. And I want to encourage that in you guys. It's not a tightrope. Okay, it's not easy to fall off. If your heart's right with God, it's a spacious place you can run in. Um, and just, you know, if, if it's not the right time or, or whatever, you know, the Lord, he cares so much about you. He'll let you know. So dream a bit and ask the questions and see whether there's something pioneering and adventurous that you, that you can get involved with. Um, 
But this whole idea of lengthening and strengthening, we've got to always keep lengthening. You know what? You can strengthen till the cows come home. It's important that you strengthen, but you can get into that mindset of, well, we just need to get a little bit stronger. Before this, you see what I'm saying? Because it's, it's never done. So local church life is never completed. Have you noticed that? It's not done until Jesus returns. So you can always be making it better, but actually we're always to be lengthening as well as strengthening. So, well, look, God's doing a good thing here. Lord, where next? You know the church in Jerusalem? If you read the book of Acts, it's fascinating. It doesn't say it explicitly, but I, I think one of the reasons why the Lord brought persecution on them is because they got stuck. They, they were seeing extraordinary growth, healings, miracles. They had the commission, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth. That was given to them. Jesus said, wait for the Spirit, though, before you go. The Spirit came. So now everything was in place. But I think they got a bit stuck in Jerusalem. Um, and in the end, persecution came, and, it, and, it, and, it, and it, it, it thrust them out, and that was how they started planting churches and reaching the whole world. And so, you know, um, we, we've got permission to move. We've got permission to do stuff. We've got permission to go on adventure. All I would say is if you're at the stage where you recognize, I still need a lot of forming, I still need a lot of discipling, then don't, don't, don't leave a church plant yet. You know, just kind of come along someone who isn't being an apprentice. You know, do an apprenticeship where you, where you learn. It's, 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 when you get into a pioneering situation and you learn about pioneering, you read all the books in the world. You read all the books in the world. Oh, that's what pioneering is like. Until you taste it. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's one or two in the room. Until you breathe the air. It's just there. And so I really want to encourage you guys. Look, look to do what you can to get out on the edges. That's where the stories are. The stories are really in the centre. Get out on the edges your own comfort zone and just allow the Lord to, 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 to do anything in you. I'm just going to, for a couple of minutes, talk a little bit about the UK and then going to hand over to Norris who's going to talk a bit about mainland Europe. Um, so I've been asked in this season if I'll just give some attention and some time to help him to stir um, some activity in the UK in terms of church planting. Um, the theme of blocked wells is what I'm living with at the moment. You find these stories in Scripture where people, they dug a well, they discovered water, and then either due to neglect or enemy activity, the wells got blocked. And then at some other point in the future, they had to unblock them. You're probably familiar with that. There's a massive spiritual lesson there. You know, when you, when you do a spirit-empowered work for God, wells get dug. It's hard work, but you reach the water, people start getting saved, refreshed spiritually, you've, you've hit the water, yeah? Um, but what can happen is as a result of, of neglect or the enemy or whatever, these things can then get a bit blocked up. Do you know you are sitting in a blocked well? This is the centre, the HQ of the Quakers. If you know anything about the history of the Quakers, it was an evangelical, Bible-believing, charismatic movement. If you read your church history, revival history, you an ex- they were extraordinary. They, they went to prison for what they believed. Um, they, they, they believed the Bible, but they also believed in the illumination, the direct illumination of the Holy Spirit. Now they've moved a long way from that now. If you watch, if you've gone to their website now, you'll see that it's now just, well, essentially just believe whatever light is in you. It's tragic moves. It's blocked well. This nation is full of blocked wells. We have an extraordinary heritage spiritually. But the men and women God has raised up and used in this nation is incredible. And, um, you know, I think, wouldn't it be amazing if we could unblock some wells in this nation? Wouldn't it be amazing if we could rediscover fresh moves of God that are actually ancient, 
but were fresh in our time and fresh in our day where we could see that. And I, I'm living with that image, and I'm just wanting to kind of stir people up and, and say, let's, let's, let's have a heart for this nation, whether you're for it or not. I'm not just speaking to those of you that live in the UK. We, we need you as much as you need us. Okay, we need one another, and, and God loves moving people around. And so I want to encourage and ask, ask you to consider investing in this nation in the coming season and in pioneering work. What's going on? What's on the ground where we are? Well, you're going to hear in a moment from Hugh, who's in Colchester, planting a church there. We've got um, another church plant in, in Newmarket. Um, and also what we're finding is in our churches, there's things starting to bubble up from our bigger churches, where they're starting to, they're, they're, they're well-resourced with leaders and kind of a sense of a calling to bless the area around them. So in Canterbury now, there's plants bubbling up out into the Isle of Sheppey and then out into a place called Whitfield, close to Dover, I believe. Um, you get that happening there. You've got, you've got um, the Chapel 100 Community Church, wonderful church, extraordinary church. I don't know how many nations are in that church. You've got to visit one Sunday. Um, they've planted four, uh, I think it's four different sites now around their area, around Essex and the M25 around that area. They are, they are pumping. There's exciting stuff happening there. Us in London, we're looking to plant. We, we feel a bit of a call on us to, to plant something um, in every sort of postcode uh, in, inside the North Circular. It's about 30. So we've got about half at the moment, half, half of one. <laughs> Not half of 15, half of one. Um, so we're right at the beginning. Um, but we're dreaming big, we're believing big. You know, we want to we reach this city. Um, we're, excited, we're excited about it. The churches in North are now beginning to gather to pray together. What can we do together collaboratively? There's a momentum that's starting to come. Um, but I also want to stir you with the fact that if you were to look at a map of the UK, and highlight the areas where our particular family are, you see a huge lump of glowing colour around uh, the southeast, whether it's East Anglia, Kent, um, Cambridgeshire, Bedfordshire, that sort of area. And then you see one little glowing, glowing circle in the borders of Scotland. That'll be it. Devon, Cornwall, Wales, Scotland, Northern Ireland, the north of England, nothing. Liverpool, Manchester, Birmingham, Sheffield, Newcastle, Sunderland, nothing. And I feel a particular call to, to cities, and one of, the, one of the ways that Paul would reach there is he would go to a city and spend time there preaching the gospel, and then what would happen is, is that the environs around that city would then hear the gospel and churches would be planted. And um, I, I'm hoping that God will grace us in the next few years to start some churches in cities that will go on to be a huge blessing and multiplying churches into the regions and areas around them. And so if you feel if you feel a stirring on any of the things I'm saying around the UK, please do come and chat to me afterwards. Don't worry, there'll be no signing on dotted lines. It's all good. No be committing to anything. But just to start the conversation, seek God, see what he opens up. Who knows what he will do. We could find ourselves an adventure together in a little while. Thanks for listening. And uh, as well as um, the UK, as Jeff has been explaining, we've got um, a particularly an open door in the mainland of Europe. Uh, there are other continents that will open up to us in uh, the future, we're sure. We've got seeds already in uh, the United States, in the Middle East and in Asia. In Middle East, I think you're going to hear a lot more about over the next five years. Um, but um, in the mainland of Europe, how can you serve the mission in the mainland of Europe? Okay, well, uh, number one, invest in the church that you're in, uh, that it will become strong, learn everything you can there, 
uh, build a model where you are so that people from other cultures can see, oh, okay, this is what these values look like. How can I put that into practice in my own culture and context? So whether you're called to go or to stay, there's a, an opportunity for you to model something like that. Have a look around in your own church and see, are there people from other nations among us here? You know, And uh, particularly speaking about the mainland of Europe at the moment, are there other European uh, nations already in our midst? Let's make friends with them, get alongside them. Let's see if they understand these values that are very precious to us and and are learning how to articulate them in their own culture and in their own context, because one day we may be sending them back home. And, uh, and that's a fantastic way to bless uh, the nations that God has gathered to us. Uh, but maybe God is stirring you to go, and to go and serve the mission of God in another nation in the mainland of Europe. One of the best ways you can do that, okay, now I'm speaking to the English people here, is to learn another language, okay? Alright, okay, shop and take a breath. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's amazing. We have managed to get so far in the mainland of Europe because of the supreme grace upon uh, our friends in these other nations who are prepared for us to speak with them in, in their second language. Yeah? And that's a, a huge, I mean, it's a huge grace upon them to allow us to do that. Um, but how much better that we could go and minister to them in the language of their heart. And so, you know, if you're in the very early days of your sense of developing a sense of call for uh, other nations, come on, I mean, you know, uh, I'm not the best example of this. My excuse is that I travel to so many nations, I can't possibly learn all those languages. <laughs> <laughs> It's a weak excuse, but it's got me this far. But, you know, I've got to put a nation on your heart and learn the language. Come on, let's, let's, uh, let's cross the, uh, the threshold and uh, let's, let's shock the nations of Europe <laughs> when an English person turns up and has already learned their language. That would be amazing. Uh, and so that's a great way to start to be prepared. There are many, many other practical ways in which you can be involved. Mark will be sharing about some of those uh, shortly. But we already have opportunities in... Uh, in the Netherlands, the Netherlands, the, the, the Netherlands we, we are planting uh, at least two um, uh, early stage church plants in that nation. They're Dutch speaking, but they are very good at accommodating people who can only, at the moment, speak English. But uh, you know, there's opportunities to be involved there. We've got a bilingual church in Frankfurt in Germany. So again, we're wanting our particular uh, sense of burden. I mean, I, I really... I celebrate every international English-speaking church in, in other nations. I celebrate that. It's a wonderful thing. But we want to make, we want to make disciples of the nations, yeah? sons and daughters of the culture who have got this DNA. It's not our DNA. It's, God's, you know, it's the DNA of God in us. And we want uh, the people from... We want to coach and disciple and encourage men and women of the culture and of the nation that can then take the mission of God to their own people in their own language, uh, you know, assimilated in their own culture, you know, singing their own songs, uh, celebrating in the way that's important to their culture. You know, it's different to the way we do things in our own culture. I and mean, it's, it's arrogant to assume that they'll want to sing the same songs and do the same things in the same way as us, you know. But the DNA is from heaven. The DNA is from heaven, and we want to make disciples of uh, men and women from every tongue, tribe, and nation uh, who can then take the mission of God and, and propagate this DNA 
in their own culture. But um, uh, there's opportunities for that in Germany. There's opportunities for that in Sweden. There's opportunities for that in Spain and France. There's opportunity in other nations as well. And if you are stirred about the nations of Europe, then we'd love to hear from you. If you already have more than one language, we'd love to hear from you. If you want to learn another language, we'd love to encourage you. And uh, these are beautiful adventures and journeys that God is setting ahead of us. So I'm just in a moment going to hand over to Hugh, but uh, just before I do that, um, Steph has shared a little bit about the UK. I've shared a bit about mainland Europe. Uh, Steph earlier, he just made this comment about being attentive to our, the nudges of God in our lives. And uh, I thought that was such a helpful comment to make that, you know, you think, well, how do I know that God is calling me to something? And it can often start with something almost, you know, imperceptible, a nudge, a sort of a, a you find yourself leaning towards an interest in a, a context, a city, a nation, or whatever it might be. And then you start to find that your interest develops. And then you find something uh, you know, sort of crystallizes or clarifies that interest. And then you start to find God starts speaking into that, and then you start to think, man, you know, maybe God's really starting to talk to me about these things. It's a, it's, it's, it grows from a very small seed, and then suddenly it breaks ground, and then it starts to gain strength, and then you think, goodness me, God is calling me, you know. And uh, time and again, if you talk to people who've gone to other cities and other nations, you'll find that that's how uh, this has come about. You know, it sort of started in a small way and then just grown. I just out of a matter of interest, okay, in the room here, as you sat there, just by a show of hands, who here can identify with, uh, sort of resonate with a sense, you know what, I think God has been nudging me about uh, a particular place or a particular nation. Don't need to go into details just yet. Just show, just by a show of hands. Anybody who's been nudged? Okay, there's a few of you here. That's wonderful. Praise God. All right, okay. We just want to honor that. And Lord, I just pray we water that seed. Lord, just water that seed. You've sown something in the hearts of our dear friends here. Um, beyond just a general sense of call, but something, a nudge about something specific. Well, I say, Holy Spirit, right now, just water that seed. Let it grow a little bit more. Lord, bring some other things across their path that clarifies and crystallizes that sense of, you know what, I think this is where God has taken us. I really do. And Lord, I just thank you for that. Thank you for this still small voice. Thank you for the way you whisper to us. And then it grows and grows to become a shout. And Lord, I pray for my friends here, Lord, you, you continue to put a light on their path as they pursue that sense of call on their own lives. I pray for that in Jesus' name. And I'm going to hand over to Hugh, who's just going to share some of his story of the realities of vision in practice over in Colchester. Come on, Andrew. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, uh, I love these settings because, uh, as I said earlier, I, I should be a third-generation alcoholic in a broken family. I was born into a totally non-Christian family in Zimbabwe, but I uh, had no exposure but knew Jesus early on, so sovereignly is gracious to me. But I got my grounding and vision for the church going on Christian camps. It was started by a Queen's barrister, top-notch lawyer, who left this country and went to Zimbabwe and started Christian ministry there. So the effects of that little choice is that I now get to lead a church plant, hey, and uh, see other people's lives change. Last night I was just sitting there crying as I saw the spirit freeing people and working in some of the folks in our church's life. And um, sure, God could have done it, but I was just sitting there grateful for his grace for me to be able to say yes when he called, uh, because our going to Colchester was an act of obedience. We were loving life in Canterbury, down by Whitstable, 
and God called us and we planted Colchester uh, two and a half years ago now. My wife and I and two kids headed up there and a couple months later a young couple joined us um, and God's been really gracious. We've had fun on the journey. Uh, we are now gathering between 50 and 60 on a Sunday which is great fun and we have people from the USA, Tanzania, Ethiopia, Zimbabwe, South Africa, Thailand, Hong Kong, China, keep going, where else? Malaysia in our church, uh, Germany have been there as well, Switzerland, Dubai, Oman, they're all kind of part of our church and I absolutely love that because one of the things uh, people keep asking, what's your vision for the church? And what they're asking for is a little slogan, you know, a really cool slogan about what we're doing. And uh, I I can do those, you know. We want to be an equipping, resourcing church that sends people, a local church with a global reach. But those things come and go and they change shape over time. And any vision should ultimately basically be the Great Commission in some way, shape or form. And um, so what I want to share with you a little bit is a bit more of our story and then how you can foster vision for church planting and pioneering, and how you keep it going in the days of uh, small things. Um, we have a university in our town that's got 140 nations represented on it. That's over 70% of the world's coming to Colchester. Does anyone know where Colchester is? Okay, some of you do. Like, I had no idea until Morris said, do you want to go to Colchester? And yet, you've got 140 nations there. If you want to know God's will for your church, well, I mean, it's pretty obvious that he wants us to be ascending church that reaches the um, nation. So we love sending folks. But the, the, the reason that that is kind of part of our DNA is uh, is a sense of vision I had. I was 16 years old, sitting in a church in Zimbabwe. Uh, PJ Smythe, many of you will know, was preaching. And I can't quite remember what it was. But ever since then, I've been gripped by a vision of the church being established as the chief of all mountains that the world would come to and worship. And I think that's, if people ask me what my vision for the church is, it's for us to be established as the chief of all mountains. Now what that looks like, God gets to decide. Um, But in terms of uh, how you foster that desire and vision, the best thing you can do to foster your vision for church one and keep you going is to love Jesus and long for his glory. Uh, Something we've lost in the West, I think, because death, I mean, it's changing now, is hidden. Animals are killed in the abattoir, of frail parents going to hospices. You know, where I grew up in Zimbabwe, granny's upstairs seeing her last days. There's death all around you. And as a result, you think about what is to come after death. And Paul said, for me to live is Christ. You know, to die is gain. <laughs> if it was up to me, I want to go and be with Jesus. Because he was so enamored with what is to come and to be with Jesus. Don't you long for that? When your heart is no longer duplicit <laughs> and you just worship because you love him. The more you yearn for that, and then you pray, God, let your kingdom come, the more you see the contrast between what is meant to be and what is. And the more you love and long for Jesus, the more you're stimulated to work now. Because you think, wow, that's how it's meant to be. Come on, Jesus. That's how it's meant to be. And uh, Jesus, who for the joy set before, endured the cross. So learn to foster in your heart what it could be. Learn to dream even in the day of small things. Because you've also got to understand the kingdom. That's how you keep your vision going. You know, Eden was a small part of the earth, but God's plan was from the small garden, as it were, to increase in dominion over the earth. Jesus was a small child. He grew to become the saviour of the world. The kingdom of God is like a little mustard seed. Um, And we don't despise the days of small things, but the kingdom of God grows to be this beautiful tree that all sorts of creatures come and find their 
they're resting. And we plant and we water, God brings the growth, but he will bring the growth. Convince yourself by looking at God's word of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. I remember two years ago I said, this is just this lovely little Christmas reading we do. It's phenomenal. And a few verses later it says, how's this going to happen? The zeal of the Lord of hosts. Like, you can't get any better than that. I mean, think about the most zealous person you know. For me, that used to be Tom Shaw. I mean, it's just, you think this is the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. So to keep your vision going is understand the kingdom. Start small, but it never stops. And the king of glory is behind it. Um, but every day doesn't look like that, does it? So, you know, every day you feel that vibrancy and the world is changing. So the secret. To anyone who asked about pioneer, I said, learn to guard your heart now. Desire fulfills a tree of life. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Above all, guard your heart, for it's the wellspring of life. You do not turn off the desire, because we don't get to choose what we desire. God's word tells us it's an expanding, glorious, changing kingdom. We desire that. We yearn for it. God's deposited in our hearts by his spirit. But every day, it's tempting to feel heart sick, because I think it was Steph saying, Yesterday or the day before, the reality just, when you think about this world, it's broken and it's painful. You don't deny that, but you never stop dreaming either. And the secret is to guard your heart. So whatever situation you are now, practice guarding your heart in that time. And believe God's promises, you know, get some promises in Scripture and pray them into. Martin Luther said, Put the gospel into your head every day. It promises about God's expansion of his kingdom and his purposes for the church. Put them in us. And when you're faced with the evidence that your church is little or is growing or your vision and dreams are bigger, Abraham looked at his body and said, I'm old. <laughs> There's not much going on yet. And yet he believed the promises of God. We don't deny reality <laughs> at all. But actually in the face of it, the promises of God is what we focus, what we focus on. Um, the single biggest thing I'd say is get a good grasp on the sovereignty of God. I don't know how people do life without knowing that God is totally in control. Because you can no longer pretend you're in control of life. There is no way you can go that you're safe. You know, whatever we do. And we're conned every day. We drive our cars and we're scared of airplanes, but driving your car is one of the most dangerous things you can do statistically. But the sovereignty of God will make you work hard and sleep well. You know, knowing that he has a purpose, he will not be thwarted. He just will not, but it will keep going. So somehow, get, get it into your spirit that God is at least sovereign. You know, he clothes the lilies of the field. He feeds, not even a sparrow falls to the ground without knowing about it. That's not just a nice little throwaway line. It's, it's true. So that little desire stirring in your heart now, that question, hey, he knows about it, and he will bring it to fruition. And then finally, I'd say expose yourself to apostolic ministry. So well done for being here. Well done for coming to the conference. Get your church caught up. Spend your money at, uh, exposing yourself to apostolic ministry. Go on mission trips. Mark's going to talk about this a bit now. Expose your hearts to men and women who have got that vision into those contexts and allow God to touch it and keep doing it. So yeah, I think, I'm, am I handing over to Mark or some, someone like that? Um, but the final thing I would say is... Uh, uh, we said no when Morris asked us to go to Colchester. <laughs> I got comfortable, though God put in my heart 20 odd years ago, uh, desired a church plant. I got comfortable. We said no, God wrestled us. It's been the best thing we've ever done. And if nothing else happens, 
lives have been changed and people have come to experience the values that Morris spoke about earlier. So last night I talked about weeping. It was just because I'd seen people who joined our church thinking charismatic was having an exciting band and a vaguely lively preacher. And then last night the Holy Spirit was filling them, breaking them free, bringing comfort and fullness. If that's all that we've done, I'm a happy man. But there will be more. Mark. So, um, let me move this on. So, um, I was just uh, thinking back to what Hugh said in uh, your main session. Was it this morning? Wasn't it? You stood up and did your little bit about uh, placing yourself strategically. So, um, in the things I'm going to talk about, um, very briefly, is a few opportunities for you to get involved in some things that will uh, expose your heart, as you said, to pioneering. Um, this one is helping engage your church. So I'm thinking, if you're going to get involved in something in your church, one thing you could do is strategically ask whether or not you can serve your church by helping engage them with other pioneers who are already out there. So the sort of thing we're trying to encourage, and your church may already be really good at doing this, but they may not be so good. So you can you can help make things better or, or just get involved in what they're already doing, is to basically just try and help supply love and encouragement and resources to those who are already on the front line pioneering. So that's one thing you could do. Talk to us about that if you want any ideas. Um, the next one is you could join a mission team. So this is a great idea for just getting a little bit of a taster for what it's like out in, in, in a pioneering situation. So it's a weekend, doesn't take up much of your time, it's relatively cheap, usually under 200 quid, that sort of amount of money. We just get everyone into a little team. We book, book some flights, and we usually go out at a time when the church plant is doing something like a conference um, with other churches in the area or a prayer day to just pray into their next season of, of their church plant. So we've got three of those running in um, the autumn term. So we've got Malaga, Latvia, and Stockholm. So go on the website. I'll show you the website in a minute, and you can find out about that. I've also got a leaflet at the back you can take as you go out. And then the other thing is, um, some of you said you felt a stirring. If that's developing to the extent that you want to really explore that as a calling, we've got a training event in September where um, Mike Frisbee and Morris and others... Mike uh, Frisbee is part of um, Relational Mission. He's in Cambridge, and he's got lots of expertise in helping people engage in mission and develop their calling. So this will be just lots of time to just think through and listen to God and if that's something for you at this season then look into that um, if it's not then we'll be running that one again so it may be that in a year's time that'll be the right time for you but just keep it on your radar is that the destination? <laughs> yeah where is that? I don't know it's Colchester Colchester <laughs> <laughs> yeah there you go okay so I think that's it uh, back to you Morris Wonderful. Okay, thank you so much for uh, giving your time at the end of uh, the afternoon. You saw the uh, the batteries running low. That was a message for Steph there on the screen. And uh, I just want us to finish our time together just by spending a bit of time praying with one another. We've got five minutes here. So uh, let's stand together.
I'm just going to pray for you, and then I'm going to invite you to uh, find a partner and just bless the sense of pioneering call in your friend's life, whoever you're, you're praying with at the time. But Lord, let's just let's just open our hands to heaven and just say, Lord Jesus. We surrender to you, Lord. It's the best thing we can do with our lives, Lord. There's a day came when we realised we were hopeless at ordering our own lives. And we said, no, Jesus, we give it to you now. We hand it over to you, Lord. And everything you say is best for us, Lord. And uh, we just want to surrender to you in uh, these moments. And so, Lord, you direct our path. You spend our lives how you want to spend our lives. You use them in the way that best brings you pleasure and glory, Lord God. And I pray for these dear people as they open their hearts up to you and what you might be calling them to do in their lives, Lord, that you would speak clearly through your word, that you would uh, you would speak clearly to them prophetically, Lord God, that, uh, that nature would speak to them, Lord, the heavens pour forth speech, Lord, that you would speak to them in dreams and visions. Lord, that you would reinforce and remind and repeat. That's what you do, Lord. You're so kind to us. You don't want us to just muddle through. You don't want us to grope about in the darkness. You want to make it plain, Lord Jesus, through the counsel of wise and trusted friends, Lord, through uh, many, many ways you make your voice plain to us, Lord God. So I just want to speak reassurance to friends here that uh, it's not a leap in the dark, uh, but it's uh, you will know. And God speaks to you in many, many ways, and you weigh and test, and trusted friends will help you find that path. So uh, I don't want you to feel that somehow you just have to sort of thrash about, trying to get hold of a, a rope flailing in the dark. God wants to make his way plain to you, and he will do so. Okay, and so uh, Lord, we thank you for this opportunity, and uh, bless us now in just these moments as we pray for one another. So find someone, just bless the call of God on their life, say... Thank you, God, for uh, this, uh, dear friends, and pray that they will be fruitful, and pray they'll be obedient, and pray something beautiful will arise from their obedience to the gospel of God.